0: and welcome to the Eastern Front. My name is Giselle Donnelly, and I'm a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. I'm joined today by my colleagues,
1: Yulia Joza with the Middle East Institute and Georgetown University, and...
2: Dalibor Rohatsh with AI.
1: On our podcast,
0: we discuss the many challenges to the European peace that have emerged along a line which runs from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea, the Eastern Front and about why these matter to the United States. Today, we're joined uh, by Charles Gotti, who currently uh, hangs this shingle at the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, uh, uh, an organization and institution uh, dear to my heart. He was also a member of the policy planning staff at the State Department. If you enjoy this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. And Dalibor, can you get us started today?
2: Of course, Giselle. I'm thrilled to welcome Charles Gatti to the program. Uh, I'm not going to give a long-winded introduction uh, or cite his numerous works and academic articles and, 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 and books. Charles Gatti is a political scientist who uh, just to put it briefly, has seen it all. He survived the Holocaust. He survived the 1956 uh, Russian and in, Soviet invasion of, of Hungary. He fled Hungary for, for America, um, has been a, a research professor of European and Eurasian studies at, at, at Johns Hopkins, taught at Columbia, uh, worked for, for the State Department. Uh, And I wonder, um, and we've we've talked many times in the past about um, the nature of of Hungarian democracy and its transition away from communism and, 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 and the different twists and turns that transition took. But I wonder what he thinks and what his reaction was when he watched the news from Hungary on Sunday, particularly the striking juxtaposition of a world that you know, watched with horror, these images from Bucha and 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 Ukraine, these war crimes uh, perpetrated by by Russian invaders in Ukraine, and and and, and juxtapose that with uh, with a speech uh, by Viktor Orbán as he uh, as we as we learned the, the news of his of his electoral victory in in, in Hungary, where he doubted his success as a victory over the Hungarian left over Brussels bureaucrats over international media and over the Ukrainian president whom he named checked I thought it was it was a fairly grotesque uh, sight to to behold and, and, and I wonder in, in, in light of of, of, of Charles's you know experience from from the 20th century how how you know how it how it struck him has he has he lost all hope in a free and democratic hungary or or you know where 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 does it where, where does this where does this electoral outcome uh in the present international context leave us
3: well my answer is uh quite personal uh i grew up in a country that's uh listed, and for a long time has been listed, as uh, one of the more pessimistic countries in the world. And then I moved to America and uh, lived there for more than 60 years, uh, which is one of the most optimistic countries in the world. So the question is, which one do you want to hear from? My Hungarian self, or you want to hear from my my American self; those two uh, don't always coexist. We, we well talk
0: about schizophrenia on this show. So yes, yes, it, to speak, um, yes,
3: indeed. So maybe I should be in the middle of the Atlantic, where I could <laughs> have half of this and half of that. But to be more serious, um, to answer your question, uh, I was not surprised, but I was dumbfounded. Uh, by what happened on Sunday. Not surprised because actually I think I wrote to you uh, uh, late last week. Uh, the <clears throat> uh, the pollster that I respect most is called uh, Median uh, in, in uh, Hungarian. And uh, that's a very professional organization, even if some of the uh, people working there, including the founder, uh, have uh, uh, sympathies. Liberal sympathies, but but he is a professional more than anything else, which I respect very much. And so he, uh, he what he said that uh, by the end of uh, last week was that Fidesz will uh, will have a uh, will sweep the election. So I was not surprised. I didn't uh, pay that much attention to the other six or seven uh, pollsters because. I know and respect uh, media and its uh, and its head Andre uh, Han. So the first answer to your question is no great surprises here. But I am I have to tell you that I am upset uh, by the fact that the country of my birth, which uh, had such a great historical opportunity to join the the, the West in the early 1990s, has uh, has gone this way. I I absolutely cannot understand the pro-Russian attitude of not only Orbán and his his uh, and other leaders, uh, but the the country in the countryside. So another answer to your question is that uh, the city that many people know well in the West, uh, the the capital city of Budapest, is a, a thoroughly European. Uh, City and Western oriented, just keep in mind that that, uh, Budapest has 18 parliamentary representatives and of the 18, 16 voted for the opposition. So the gap between city and countryside, as elsewhere in the world, uh, is very pronounced. Even in the United States, we have the same uh, difference. Uh, uh when you go to New York, as I am right now, or you're in Washington or or uh, Los Angeles, it's a different world from uh, the Midwest and the countryside, and the same in France and the same in Poland. Uh, and so that's what we see uh, in Hungary as well.
1: Then let me ask you, uh, let me ask you um you mentioned um how how appalled you are by pro Russianism among not just Orban but in the countryside. I wonder if you can tell me you know it, it's a it's a big ask, and I know how complicated this is, but I wonder if you can tell us and our listeners. Uh, In a nutshell, where do you see the biggest vulnerabilities in terms of Russian influence? Um, We know there's deep um, infiltration financially in the energy sector, but also in the hearts and minds. So can you help us make sense a little bit about um, on what pro-Russianism in Hungary is to you?
3: Well, as I as you quoted me correctly, I'm um, totally surprised by uh, by the ter- the turn away from the West, which was very clear in the 1990s, and then there was the so-called Eastern opening by Mr. Orbán, and to my surprise, uh, uh, his supporters, uh, his party's name is Fidesz, the Fidesz supporters. Even now, even now, as uh, Dalibor mentioned, uh, the the cruelties and the destruction and the uh, lack of of uh, sympathy for for civilians, even after that, uh, they they like uh, the pro-Russian government and voted for it. It is a stunning reversal of Hungarian history because. Without going into great details, back in 1848, 49, uh, Hungarian independence was violated by Russian intervention. And then, uh, of course, in 1956, uh, uh, the so- Soviet forces, you know, crushed the Hungarian revolution. So, uh, I can't give you a good explanation for this except one, which is also very painful. And that is that uh, there is a, a, a constant hint in uh, Fidesz pronouncements about the injustices of uh, the territorial settlements after World War I. Uh, not, not in Versailles, but in Trianon. The Trianon Treaties are pain, a painful part of Hungarian history. When Hungary lost two thirds of its territory. And, and some, some of those uh, territories are, uh, uh, they would like to have it back, even though they're not ready to attack it. And part of that is in Ukraine. You know, these ethnic Hungarians are in primarily in Transylvania, a couple of million in uh, Slovakia and Serbia, uh, and of course, uh, some in Ukraine. So, to the extent I can explain uh, this, it would be a desire to redo um, uh, the World War One settlements. The other one has to do with corruption. Uh, I am convinced, though I don't have the evidence to present that uh, that uh, Russia has been buying politicians in Hungary. And uh, And the third point is that there is considerable resentment about Western so-called advice or the West, uh, particularly American lecturing of of Hungarians. You know, uh, we in America, as you know, as well as I do, we like to lecture other countries. And I think the Hungarians tend to resent uh, uh, such lecturing. So it's a combination of many factors
1: if if i can just go back to the first element that you brought up i'm i'm surprised that you do and i wonder if you can help us make sense in previous episodes talking to the hungarian opposition i asked the same question and I w- it was kind of dismissed. Um, so you bringing up Trianon and lost territories after World War One. when you live in the region, that is very vivid. Um, we know Dalibor is from Slovakia. <laughs> um, I'm from Romania. There's territories um, that you refer to in, in Ukraine. And so just to give you an example, last year, Um, At the Crimea platform, the Hungarian president compared the annexation of Crimea with um, the Trianon. And of course, that sparked outrage across the region, particularly in the face of Romanian national identity and and all of that. And I wonder to what extent you having a historical perspective of this and, and tying them together, to what extent... Is this just an idea that Fidesz is um, and Orbán primarily is um, is using, instrumentalizing to gain? voters, um, not just in Hungary, but from the Hungarian diaspora that they've been very good at giving Hungarian passports to? Um, Or is it something serious when they threaten every other month um, an alliance with Russia, either directly or indirectly, to be able to reoccupy parts of Ukraine, parts of Romania, parts of Slovakia? So, Help us make sense of that. Is that something to be dismissed? Um, Is it just instrumentalizing um, for votes? Or is it something that they're seriously putting on the table?
3: Well, that's an excellent question. And my answer to it is that it is primarily a a political appeal uh, by Orban. uh, But he is expressing a very deeply felt sense of injustice. Which actually I happen to share Hungary was too too severely punished uh, more so than it than Germany was after World War one and that was not uh, fully uh, justified. you know when you lose two-thirds of your territory uh, then 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 it is legitimate uh, to uh, complain and to hold grudges and and hope that somehow or another uh, uh, it, it can be remedied. But I, I don't think there, there is any serious, uh, uh, thinking about, you know, doing what Russia is doing, uh, which is, uh, to, or what Hitler did, uh, after, uh, uh, on the eve of World War II to recapture lost territories. I don't think this is serious, but it is a wonderful politic. I say wonderful in quotation marks a wonderful political move to identify with the deeply felt injustice by many Hungarians.
0: Okay, time for me to play the, the you know, dense American uh, in this uh, equation here. And so you have to wonder... What the shelf life of uh, playing to these grievances, which you know, an hour, you know, more than a century old, uh, can really be, whether in the context of the, uh, you know, particularly as as Russia loses in Ukraine, and you know, who who knows what the limits of these this will be, but. Um, uh, as the as the West sort of wakes up from its holiday uh, from history, uh, you know whether these the ability to exploit these animosities has been to a certain degree a product of the peace of the last generation. They they've been positions that can be taken at least in large degree without consequence. But uh, particularly for the Hungarians, uh, consequences are looming on the horizon. And, you know, can, in the contest between new geopolitical realities and the posture that uh, Orban and his ilk uh, uh, like to take, how do you foresee that contest coming out?
3: You know, over the course of the next couple of years, I'm not sure that I fully understand the question. Uh, is that uh, the, the uh, will the desire uh, to do justice to Trianon fade away? Is that the question?
0: Yeah, to the de- to the degree that the historical animosities that you outlined still have resonance.
3: Uh, look here, uh, the answer is that if uh, Hungarians wake up to the uh, uh, realities of this world and find their place in the West. Not just formally, after all, they are members of NATO and the European Union. Uh, especially the European Union is an organization they're trying to to uh, undermine uh, uh, every day. Even while they're taking uh, you know they're benefiting from it, in any case, if there is a more genuine association with the West, as let's say in the case of the Czech Republic, uh, uh, then I would have to say at that point, these grievances will begin to fade away. They will still be there, you know in the right wing of Hungarian politics, which is the dominant uh, wing of, of Hungarian politics. But I think if, if the, the more cosmopolitan areas of the country, uh, notably the capital city of Budapest, if they, uh, they prevail, uh, over, over this, uh, is, uh, uh, inexplicable, uh, association with Putin's Russia, I think at that point, uh, the attention will Turn away from these, uh, uh, as you said, you know, hundred-year-old uh, grievances, and they will focus on on other issues, you know, economic uh, growth, etc. Let me just add that back in 1991, when the changes took place, or 89, 90, 91, Hungary, Hungary, was number one among the, the Soviet bloc countries. Uh, uh, you know, in fact, in effect. Uh, uh, gaining independence, number one, economically, because it was already a member of the IMF, among many other things, and privatization under the communist regime proceeded, I mean, very, very slowly, but certainly ahead of the other countries. And, And today, economically, it is among the last. So once that's overcome, and people's attention is on these issues, uh uh, uh uh then i think the historic grievance will begin to fade away. i certainly hope that's the case. i'm not convinced that it will be
2: that's an that's an interesting uh, hypothesis i mean i'm i'm not quite sure that there is a sort of direction that that these these the, the these kinds of phenomena just move along in a in a sort of linear fashion there was of course another election this weekend held in another eastern european country uh serbia and we'll actually do an episode on serbia uh and its own russian links soon but but i was struck by some of the parallels between the two so serbia too has this uh you know sense of grievance from the collapse of yugoslavia and and a sort of imagined humiliation at the hands of the west and and this sort of Milošević nostalgia politics still still is very strong in Belgrade and is being leveraged masterfully by Aleksandar Vučić, who is one of the closest European allies of of Orbán, of course. And uh, and in, in in Serbia's case, it serves uh, I mean I think a directly destabilizing role in, in 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 the region that that Serbia is playing, whether in 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 Bosnia or. Or, or or Montenegro, and also as a vehicle of just sort of Russian-led regional regional destabilization. So I, I do think this is a real thing that uh, I think is very difficult to sort of deal with. I mean, in Hungary's case: this is a country uh, you know that is as integrated with Western Europe as as as, as it gets in, in in terms of economic matters. It really is an outpost of of the Bavarian auto industry, uh, yet. Uh, I mean the rhetoric that is coming out of Budapest is 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 very often unhinged. If you you know go back to the twenty twenty Triannual anniversary, the sort of rhetoric that, that 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 Prime Minister Orban put forward was was quite extraordinary. But I was going to ask you something something else. Uh, most uh, far right or populist leaders who ever had any sort of affiliations or or ties to Russia had to make a sort of U-turn following the Russian invasion of of, of of Ukraine and 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 try to backtrack and Orban is is a conspicuous exception to that. He uh, you know drove his, his his campaign on this rhetoric of, of of keeping Hungary out of the war, of keeping Hungarian citizens shielded from any costs of the war, you know touting, his 15 year contract with Gazprom and so on and so forth. And uh, my prediction was that there would be a backlash against that. And and I was completely wrong. I mean it it it, it proved extremely effective, right? And not just among uh, sort of hardcore Fides voters, but I think there is some polling evidence and, and a lot of anecdotal evidence that 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 it 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 had influence on, on voters who were sort of sitting on the fence that they indeed I felt that this message of, of 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 you know staying out of 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 this conflict was was it, was it, was it a compelling one. So how do you explain the effectiveness? I mean, you know, Fides actually outperformed many of the polls in terms of its electoral result. Uh, how how do you account for the effectiveness of this message? Is it just the media diet? Is it just the Fides control of you know the information space, or or is there something deeper going on with with the, the, the Hungarian electorate?
3: Well, uh, somewhat grudgingly, I have to point to uh, Orbán's skill as a politician. He, is, he really uh, knows what to say and what to do in order to maintain his popularity at home. Uh, so, for example, uh, uh, his, his rhetoric about wanting to have peace. Uh, and uh, when he said that he doesn't want Hungary to get too deeply involved, uh, fell on fertile soil in Hungary. After all, who wants war? At the same time, you know, he, he did support some of NATO's actions. Uh, it was uh, something of a U-turn, as you put it, uh, that when he, he, uh, um, revised his view, uh, and, and, and condemned Russian aggression. But at the same time, he also, you know, did not want to give, uh, enough, uh, access to, uh, you know, NATO transfer of equipment via, hung, uh, you know, Hungarian territory. So he played a game that is quite familiar to students of Hungarian history, particularly in the mid 1940s, 1943, 1944, when Hungary was uh, just about the last, uh, uh, satellite of Hitler's Germany. At the same time, the government reached out to, uh, to the Brits and the, and the Americans trying to make a separate uh, uh, deal. Uh, so this is kind of, uh, 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 politics is not novel in, in Hungarian, in, in Hungarian history, but just take a look at also the last communist leader, the Janos Kadar, who also, you know, you know, remained quite loyal to Moscow, but at the same time, he opened up the Hungarian economy. He began to open it up, uh, to, to a Western presence. So this kind of game is not, a uh, political game uh, is is not unfamiliar in Hungarian history, and that is what Orban does extre- extremely well. Uh, uh, I don't want to be very funny here, but he, he is uh, a very good student of the last communist leader, Janos Kadar, who who played this this game exceptionally well.
1: I wonder if we can ask you to put on your American optimist shoes and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, tell us. You talked a little bit about how um, how this can shift um, the historical injustice feeling can change, and I guess the dependent variable here is the West. We've seen today um, the EU some. People commented at last, launching this um, this disciplinary rule of law mechanism, withdrawing um, or withholding funding. Um, so, do you think that either the EU or the United States can do something to change? Um, what is going on in terms of Orban's rhetoric and Orban's positioning, the Fidesz's, um power in, in uh, Hungary. And if so, what are the instruments that we have, have at our disposal, given that, indeed, we have ignored this for a long time, and now we're kind of caught off guard. Oops, we have a, a Putin friend in the midst of the West, in the midst of a major war. So is there something that the West can do?
3: Well, you're asking for a hopeful uh, comment. That's not very easy to do, given uh, the, uh, the procedures and processes of the European Union and the, and the great care that the EU uh, uh, has had with respect not to rock the boat and not to try to uh, find a way to kick out a country. Uh, In my view, both Hungary and Poland were great candidates for that, and all kinds of steps have been going on for many, many years. It didn't start last year, but as you probably know very well, the last 8 or 10 years and uh, my goodness nothing much has ha- has has happened even though uh neither uh leading party in Poland or in Hungary is, is anymore uh with the EPP the people's uh uh, uh party and the EU so uh I'm not very confident at all uh that uh harsh measures by the EU would make a difference. On the contrary, uh, some measures uh, would have the opposite effect. You know, you may think that uh, since uh, somebody pointed out uh, uh, earlier that the Hungarian economy is deeply intertwined uh, with uh, particularly Germany, but actually other countries as well, you would think that uh, some withdrawal from that would make a difference possibly some difference but also others would say say would we'll just turn against the west and say you see we are all alone uh, which is another theme in hungarian uh, history we're all alone and you cannot count on the on the west to really understand us so uh i am i cannot give you the the, the hopeful american uh, view, I wish I could. I'd like to. As for the United States, we don't have much le- leverage there. Uh, um, y- you know, I mean, and, and, and terrible mis- diplomatic mistakes were made during the Trump administration where you had an ambassador there, uh, who, uh, I don't know if I can say this on this broadcast, who was kissing Orbán's behind, uh, regularly. So uh, my answer is, is, uh, we have to keep trying and we have to send ambassadors there. And we had programs that could have made a difference. There was a $700,000 American, uh, program that would have, uh, given the countryside, uh, uh, access to reasonable information and the real news. And, but then it, it's, it, I don't know exactly why, but under the Trump administration, it was withdrawn. And to the best of my knowledge, it has not been, uh, renewed. That would be very important because it was well targeted and, uh, it, it should be done. And I hope somebody will think of it.
0: Well, I, I'm tempted to say that, uh, Inflicting as devastating a defeat as possible on the Russians in Ukraine might change a few minds uh, uh, in a uh, in a useful way. But before we go, um, I really would like to get your take on uh, the not just the Bucha massacre, but the whole question of war crimes being committed in the conduct of the war. If we had a dollar for Every time a Western European politician had said, never again, all four of us could retire comfortably. Right. How, how do you imagine or do you think that the atrocities we're seeing committed uh, will affect the con- not just public opinion, but the conduct of the West in the United States in this case?
3: Well, the answer is definitely yes. Uh, you know, if there is something good that's coming out of this miserable and brutal war that uh, that Putin has uh, uh, pursued, there are two things here that uh, uh, that I I am you know encouraged by if one can say that in the face of the brutality and the pictures that you refer to. Uh, one is that uh, that uh, Putin has succeeded. To accomplish the opposite of what he had set out to do. He thought that the West was weak and divided. And in point of fact, the West has become, uh, uh, quite united. Uh, you know, minor differences, which is okay. In a democratic organization, there should be some. Uh, so that's very encouraging that the EU and NATO found each other. And above all, that, uh, Europe, and the United States found uh, uh, each other as well. So that's a very positive uh, sign. And the second one is that among younger folks, certainly here in the United States, but I think in Europe as well, there is now a sense, a better sense, of how much better we are uh, uh, than the Russians. They're, you know, uh, the United States, just to stay with the states and not, not Europe, has made so many mistakes, errors, and committed some crimes, uh, uh, in recent decades. Particularly, I'm referring to Iraq, which was a, a devastating, uh, uh, error on the part of the U.S. And it made, uh, younger folks in particular question the merits of America and of a free, of a free society. And as I said, we have made many mistakes and errors and have had bad politicians. But still, the comparison between what we have here and what, you know, Russia has had, you know, the, the difference is obvious to, you know, older folks like myself, but not so, uh, with, with young, including my students. Uh, some of them question the merits of, of a, a free society. Well, I think this is over, at least for a few years or this generation, maybe not the next one. And I, I, I welcome that uh, very much because I care deeply about, uh, about American society and it will benefit from, from uh, a more realistic view of, of, of the world by uh, younger people who see uh, the cruelty uh, the is totally unnecessary war that uh, that Russia has been pursuing.
2: Just to bring this back home to Hungary, if I if if if, if I may, I, I'm struck by uh, the fact that uh, um, this multi-vector foreign policy, which is a long-standing tradition in Hungary, which should sort of traced back to to Janos. Kadar, which has been so effectively internalized by Orbán, by relies of the, on the availability of different options for, 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 for the Hungarian government to turn to and extract concessions from. Uh, and if there is indeed a major shift in the West, uh, you know, tackling the challenges of autocratic governments more seriously and confronting Russia and weaning ourselves off Russian natural gas and, and oil, uh, then this approach will be less effective. I mean, for a long time, when it came to relationships with Russia and China, Orbán uh, has been sort of hiding behind Germany, right? There's always this, this sort of plausible claim he was making that Look I'm not doing anything different from what the Germans or the French are doing like they want to have constructive mutually beneficial economic partnerships with these great powers why shouldn't we you know be doing anything anything different like right now uh I mean Orbán has lost his only reasonably reliable ally in the EU that is Poland uh i mean, it really is as isolated as as he has ever been i mean you know he's just really in europe he's left with with putin and and with mr vucic in serbia and and you said that that might drive him to the extremes but maybe a more hopeful scenario is that you know it might have been too late for this election uh but 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 perhaps the hungarian public will you know conclude that this is maybe not the sort of country they want to live in
3: i'm not sure that we are in full agreement uh, on this uh i am not sure that that uh, uh you are right let's put it that way first you are right that uh, that orban's hungary is isolated uh it's worse than being isolated it is a pariah now in, in 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 the west and it will remain so about losing poland i'm not so sure uh that uh, kaczynski already made some remarks the other day, which I don't have in front of me, but it was, like um, saying say, he uh, was talking more in regret than in criticism. Uh, I mean, after all, uh, you know, as well as I, that the Poles always knew that Orban was pro-Russian, and they still, because of domest- uh, agreement on domestic issues, uh, because of that, uh, they formed an alliance. But you are right that a lot has, has been lost. I mean, after all, the so-called V4, uh, no longer exists. Uh, both the Czech and the Slovak, uh, and then the, I think the Polish, uh, ministers of defense refused to attend a meeting last week in, in Budapest. And so it shows that, uh, at the point that you're making that, that Hungary is isolated. So, so he, so he can have a good conversation with, uh, in Belgrade, with Serbia. I mean, big deal. Uh, that's not exactly, uh, you know, a, a, a significant alliance. I mean, if he cannot get along with the Poles, well, uh, uh or for that matter, if, with the Slovaks and the Czechs, what does he have left? Not very much. So, uh, to end on a more optimistic view, maybe it may be that uh, the isolation of Orbán's Hungary uh, will prompt uh, a reassessment on the part of uh, of of the people who will vote uh, and uh, and and bring Hungary back to the promise of the 1990s, uh, which was when you know Hungary had had its. Oh, I'm looking at, at the picture on your wall. Uh, Hungary had its own Václav Havel. Just as uh, as the Poles had Lajpalenso, and the Hungarians had Arpad Guntz, who was a, a genuine liberal, pro Western uh, president for ten years, and beloved by the by the people in the big cities and in the countryside uh, as well. So uh, perhaps there is more hope than I have intended to discuss here in the past hour.
0: Well, if we haven't quite reached American levels of optimism, we've exceeded what we usually get on the Eastern <laughs> Front on this podcast. So uh, it's probably a good place to... Uh, to uh,
3: well, keep rid. keep in mind, if, if, if you, you want to, that I have had two American-born wives. Uh, not at the same time, for sure. Uh, and... <laughs> And five five American-born children and eleven American-born grandchildren. So I'm not totally okay. uh, uh, devoid well, of American. You're optimism. deeply infected uh, without
0: the hope of the hope of cure, <laughs> which is which is which is what we need on this podcast. Uh, Professor Gaudi, thank you so much for spending the last half hour or so with us. Um, from me, Giselle Donnelly, and.
1: Yulia Zosia, and
0: Thank you all for listening to the Eastern Front. Our podcast is dedicated to examining the security challenges that have arisen along a line from the Baltic to the Black Sea. You can find more episodes and additional content on our website at AEI.org or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter using the hashtag Eastern Front Pod. That's all one made up word, uh, but that's how you can get hold of us on Twitter. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, rating and reviewing us. Thanks and goodbye until next time.